Hi, hello, and welcome to Oh Boy, the podcast presented by Man Repeller. I'm your host, Jay Bume, and on today's episode, my guest is Roxy Darling, a colorist working at Hair Story, which is the startup responsible for Purely Perfect, which was all founded by former Bumble and Bumble creator Michael Gordon. She's one of the most unique, creative, and exciting colorists working today, and I had a really interesting talk with her, so let's get into it. So, uh, where, where did you grow up? I grew up between, I was born in Staten Island. Okay. Um, and I grew up between Staten Island, Jersey, LA, and New York City, and Manhattan. Where in because Jersey? Because my parents were separated. Um, uh, the Shore. Yeah, where? Bricktown. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the first place my folks ever lived. Oh, really? After they got married, yeah. Yeah. Where did you grow up? I grew up in, do you know where Marlboro is? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, my friends and I would go drive out to the insane asylums out yes. there and the slaughterhouses. Yes, I yeah. went to the slaughterhouse recently. Really? Yes. Like, I haven't been there in over 10 years. Oh, it's still so cool. Yeah. And um, there was this guy, my friend worked at the food town right over mm-hmm. there. And there was this guy who worked at the food town uh-huh. who his night job was uh-huh. the guard at the mental institution. What? So like we used to be able to go drive around there yeah. in like in the nighttime and uh-huh. it was the, like we were just so scared but oh so my God. awesome. Yeah, my friends and I would go like the first time I went to the insane asylum like the one with all the different buildings oh, yeah. that are connected by yeah. the tunnels. The first time I went there it was like me and my best girlfriend and these like two guys that we were like I don't know making out with. Oh yeah. And they were like a lot older than us. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like wild and scary, and I'm like not really that interested in scary stuff like that. So I'm surprised I ever even went. What was that like for you spending your time in all these different places? Well, now I look back because I moved around a lot until I was 16, and then at, like 16 I moved back to Jersey. Mm-hmm. From L.A. I was in L.A. from the age of 12 to 16. Did you like it there? Yeah. I mean, I was in a weird situation there. Like, homeschooled. Like, really? Is this recording right now? Yeah, yeah, Okay. Yeah. I lived in L.A. And let's just say that I was kind of, like, off the grid. Okay. Yeah. At a very young age. So like, were you, was it like a commune situation? That yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But I was by myself without my parents. Really? Yeah. It was how, like, how did you end up there? It was a religious commune that yeah. I lived and worked on in exchange for like schooling. Because when I was 12 years old, I was just feeling really independent and um, and you left your house. Yeah, and you yeah, moved there. I moved to LA. Really? Myself. What made you want to do that? Because the mission statement of the commune was that we were going to save the world. And your parents were what? Did they not have a say in the matter? You're just like I'm gonna, I'm doing this. Kind of. You can't stop my me. My dad was like, "Oh, she should go do this thing," and my mom was like, "Okay." Really? <laughs> but I managed to get my GED when I was like 12 years old or 14 years old, so I didn't have to go to school. So what were you doing then? 
In LA, it's very normal for children who are like 14, 15 to get their GEDs because this way they can legally work on movie sets longer. Right. Also, I was like an overachiever. So the younger that I could be when I got my GED, the like more accomplished I would kind of feel because I took the test when I was 13 and I failed and I was super bummed. And then I took it again when I was 14 and I passed. So what made you want to leave and come back? to the east coast i don't know i came home for christmas one year and i was like cool i'm ready to like move back to jersey yeah <laughs> and then so you're <laughs> it's that ready. simple yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're back in jersey yeah and you have your ged yeah and so i'm 16 years old So you're just like hanging out and no that was the first time i ever watched someone do hair I would watch the girl who did my mom's hair in the kitchen and I was like, I want to, I want to, I could do that. Like, I want to try that. Yeah. I had heard about, um, Bumble and Bumble products Okay. from my brother's girlfriend. She was like, oh, I get my hair done at this place. And I looked at the products and I was like, oh my God, I want to, I'm going to start dyeing all my friend's hair and I'm going to go work there. And it was just like that, just, yeah, that, it was just, just like from that, that one like, day. I was like 16. I had just come out of this cult and I was living back down the shore in Jersey. And I was like, cool, I'm going to be a hair colorist at Bumble and Bumble. <laughs> like I just made that decision. So yeah. that kind of became my next goal. Right. So when I was 18, I went to beauty school in Staten Island, actually. And then when I was 19, I went to go work at Bumble in the city in Manhattan. Wow. Yeah. Just to go back for a second. Yeah. um, Like what were the things that you were into growing up? I always loved punk music. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of like I loved music and I loved dyeing my own hair. I started dyeing my own hair when I was 12. With like Kool-Aid? No, with bleach. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was into tie dye when I was super young. Like what, 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 what kind of kid were you like? How would you describe yourself? Like looking back at that time? Which which time? When you were a kid, when like you were growing when, up. When well, I was like 11 or 8 or, or 17. I guess which, like... Which part is being a kid? Because it's all being a kid. Right. Well, what sticks out to you? I don't know. I think that I was very... I was very... To describe a lot of my childhood, I was very creative and very rebellious. Yeah. Um, rebellious how? And very, like, headstrong. I was, like, very independent, rebellious from a very young age. Mm -hmm. You know, to me, the idea of leaving home when I was 12 years old to go pursue this idea that maybe I could help save the world, like, that was totally... No, like, no one had the balls to say to me, like, that's not normal. Right. (laughs) So, as a kid, I would say I was very loud but I'm very shy so I think that's kind of still carried over into my adulthood you know sometimes I feel like I'm still a kid Mm -hmm. like I'm still trying to figure out how to be an adult I mean I think everybody is yeah but I think I was also very kind of like progressive I was always trying to figure out how to be different or not even trying to figure out. I just was different. And so I was trying to figure out how to make my different self kind of fit in a little bit more. Where, where do you think that came from? I mean, were your parents supportive of you? Did they have my a plan? My parents were very supportive they were. of me. 
Yeah. That's great. I am a very lucky girl, very lucky human that my parents supported me in anything I ever wanted to do. Mm. Um, at no point was I ever told like, oh, you should probably like do something else. Yeah. And I was taught from a very young age how to do a lot of things because my parents were kind of hands-on. My dad was a carpenter and a fireman. Yeah. And so I learned how to like carve wood and light fires. Okay. When I was probably like five years old, six years old, I was doing that by myself. What was your mom doing? My mom... She, like, had a job working for OTB, off-track betting, which closed, I think, like, four or five years ago, five years ago. But she was very crafty and would, like, stencil paint every room in the house that, like, in every house we ever lived in. And she would make our Halloween costumes, like, from scratch and make me clothes. And so... And also, my mom taught us how to draw. Like, my mom taught my brother how to draw bubble letters when he was super young, and he fucking turned out to be a graffiti writer. Yeah. Is he still writing? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, not really. He mainly puts up stickers. Oh, okay. Yeah, because he's a grown-up. Yeah. Kind of. Was it just you and your older brother? I have a sister, too. And your sister, too? Yeah. So was your brother kind of, like, exposing you to, like, some cool stuff? No. No? No. I mean, he's... There's there's an eight-year age gap between us, and I think I was totally just annoying little sister. Okay. You know? Yeah. But I thought he was so cool. Like, listen, in the 90s, like, he had, like, grown out... He had a grown out bleached mushroom cut. Oh, wow. Which to me, still defines grunge. Yeah. When I think of grunge in the 90s, I think of my brother. And he had, like, a pimply face, and, you know, he had these jeans that I thought were so cool. And there were these, like, wide-leg jeans, and my mom Not, had, like... Were they Jenkos? Mm, they might have been, yeah. but I don't think they were, because my they might have been just, like, Gap jeans or some shit, because my mom cut up the outside seam of them and like installed these little mermaid bed sheets. Oh yeah. Like these big triangular patches in the jeans. I thought my brother was really cool. My, uh, my mom did the same thing for me too. Yeah. yeah she's... Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Besides your brother, who were there other people that you looked up to people that you wanted to emulate? You know, when I think about it, I had this babysitter Yeah. when I was super young. And she was a friend of my brother's. And I didn't know this, but my brother has told me like 10 years later that she was always like tripping on acid when she was watching us. Um, but when I was a kid, I, I was obsessed with her. Because she just wore the coolest clothes and she... Would she taught me how to draw probably because she was tripping on acid. And yeah. I think when I was eight, nine years old, I wished I was tripping on acid too because I was really obsessed with the 60s, mm-hmm. even from like such a young age, which I mean, now I was probably like born in the 60s and hung out in the 60s in my past life. And that's why when I was like 
under the age of 10, I was so obsessed with the late 60s and early 70s. Yeah. Anyways, she would be sitting there tripping on acid, drawing these like lines in her notebook, like just for hours. And she's like, let me show you how to do this so you can do it too. Oh, wow. And I would just sit with her and do this. And so I think even as a teenager, when I started um, like hanging out and like smoking pot and like listening to more classic rock, I thought about that babysitter. But I think that, yeah, even as a teenager, I remember like assimilate, like thinking about my brother and his friends in the 90s as teenagers, that's, that was, has always been my reference of cool. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. in some way or another, even though I have changed my personal style and like other stuff like that, like that was always what I thought was cool. And even now I still think those kids are cool. It was a, it was a pretty cool time. Yeah. It was, um, I, I, it was like, I think now like things are so safe or things are like so much safer. Like that was like a time where there was like, you could still get into some old school style trouble. Right. You know? Yeah. I feel like that's probably not as like easy to do. I I remember like, I remember being a little kid and taking the train into the city and just like running around the city, just like drinking beers. I know. And like buying whippets and like it not being a big deal. Like you're like walking around with the balloon and yeah. Yeah. Now, <laughs> now I don't know if you could still do that. Maybe, well, now you maybe now I'll you, try that this weekend. I mean, now you can buy your whippets on like Amazon Prime. Right. You, you don't know? even need to get. You don't even need to leave your house. <laughs> Just to go back a little bit, you mentioned that you started going to. Uh, was it like hair school? Like what's yeah, the I proper went to term? Beauty school. Beauty school in Cosmetology Staten. School. Cosmetology in school in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn. In Bensonhurst. I thought you said you went in, in Staten I Island. I know I messed up. I went in oh. Brooklyn, but I was living in Staten Island. But I was going to school in Brooklyn. And what was that? What was that like? Do you? What do you? When you look back on that time, what's the things that like stick out oh, to you? Oh man, chunky highlights and um, blowouts. <laughs> And Are those bad things? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing no, by the way you're saying yeah, that. Yeah, like, you know, um, very Staten Island, Jersey kind of hair. Yeah. Oh, look, man, like, I... I'm allowed to say that. Look, I didn't make it out of New Jersey without at least bleaching my tips once or twice. Yes, you know? there you go. I can yeah. I can admit it. I had them. Yeah. You know, look, we I all have awkward times. I had zebra highlights yeah. until I was, like, 18. <laughs> 19 yeah like i had that shit i gave people those highlights um if you could say if you could say something to them now what would you say i would say thank you yeah (laughs) for letting me play yeah because that was what beauty school and the following 10 years have been all about it's been playing. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine that, like, you know, if you're an artist, you have a canvas, and if you mess up, you can just go to another canvas. It's right. like, no harm, no foul, right? Yeah. But with hair, like, to me, like, when I was doing, like, some research and stuff and just reading some interviews that you'd done, mm-hmm. the, one thing that, the one thing that was sticking out to me was, like, well, how do you, how, like, you're, you're practicing on, a, on someone's head. Right. You know, you're practicing, like, on someone, like, what they're going to, how they're going to, like, move through the world they like the way they look yeah. right mm-hmm. so i mean <laughs> what was that like where do you remember times like 
you know, I, do you ever have that moment where like you take off the foil or something and you just like you make a face and you're like, thank goodness you can't see my face right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even then, now I can't really make that face still because there's mirrors in <laughs> my studio. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I, I've got it down to a point where like I have two assistants mm-hmm. and I'm like, no sound effects. Oh, really? That's no rule. sound effects. No sound effects. Because sound effects really can, if someone doesn't know what's happening to their head, yeah. they can, it can really like make someone feel like they're not safe. Sure. Yeah. And that's part of like what now, like currently in my studio, it's very cozy and I like for people to feel really safe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you're changing someone's hair, that's the thing is it's not just a canvas. So that's been an interesting kind of thing is learning how to still have control over the protein in the hair and like you know as long as you are aware and conscious and intentional with your chemical applications to anything not just hair but like your skin or your pants like say you're bleaching your pants Mm -hmm. like if you bleach a fabric too much it's gonna disintegrate right so um it's been it's really interesting to work with people um, and that's actually how I found myself working at the company that I work for now, the okay. startup that I work for. We'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. We'll get to that. Um, so, so, so you're, so you finished beauty school. How long so does I that finished, take? Beauty school was like nine months. Yeah. Yeah. And then you got all. And I you knew have, I was going to Bumble. You the knew the whole time I was in beauty school. I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna finish and get my license, and I'm gonna go work at Bumble and Bumble." And so, how did you make it happen? So I like dropped off an application and like went through like the interview process, and then I went and I worked there for four and a half years. Oh wow! Yeah, as an assistant. Did you like it? Um. Yeah, I had a lot of fun there. Um, I kind of grew up there in a way. How so? I, I started working there um, in May of 2007. I was 19 years old. And in that time that I spent there, I learned so much about being an adult. Yeah? Yeah. Were you living in the city at the time? I was living in Staten Island. And commuting to... Commuting from my mom's house. Yeah. And then when I was 23, I moved to Bushwick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I was done living in Staten Island. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but I lived rent-free. And um, living with your family is not so bad. No. I mean, if your family is, like, from here. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, But I would often be crashing on everyone's couches because when I turned 21, but I was out every night. Yeah. Probably from, like, the time I turned 21 till like, I realized that I had a drug problem in summer of 2011, and that's when I stopped going out and stopped partying. Um, So, yeah, when I was at Bumble, I learned a lot. I learned a lot. Mm -hmm. 
I worked for great people and I worked for assholes. Yeah, that's life. So. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, it was a corporation. Mm-hmm. And um, I had, like I said, developed a drug problem. Yeah. I couldn't be there sober. Um, so that summer of 2011, I decided to like wean myself off of the pills that I was addicted to from Uh the course of Memorial Day to Labor Day. And come Labor Day, the end of that summer, I was like, okay, no more pills, no more partying for me. And then I I went to work and I was like, okay, I can't be here. Mm. So, and I learned in that moment, like kind of what it was like to be really present and um, have to be really contributing. You know, when I was at Bumble, I was always really talented. That was never the problem. And my eye and my aesthetic, that was never the problem. The problem for me was that I didn't know how to show up to work on time because I was too busy, like, making out with boys the night before. Mm -hmm. You know, like, that's what I did. That was my priority, was, like, being young and going out. What was the moment when you realized you wanted to change? Um, Like, I was at this rooftop rave in Williamsburg Memorial day weekend of 2011. And I like fucking almost died and had to like leave. Cause I thought I was dying. Cause I hadn't slept in like two days and I had like so many amphetamines in my body. And I ran to my friend's apartment cause her and my other friend were packing And I knew that if I went to their house that I would A, be safe and B, like I would have something to do with all of this like crazy shit that Mm -hmm. I put in my body. And my friends, my really awesome friends who I'm still fucking best friends with today were like, all right, rocks, it's time for whatever is going on to stop. And I realized in that moment, like, okay, like, I don't want to feel like this anymore. It At the time, it had nothing to do with the fact that I was holding myself back mm-hmm. with my career. Because ultimately, that's what I was doing. But, you know, um, at twenty, when you're 23 and everyone tells you that you're super talented, you don't think you're holding yourself back. Mm, you think you're doing it. Yeah. Right. Like, at no point did I ever think, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't go out tonight. The people just were like, just don't talk about it. Yeah. You can go out, but just don't say anything the next day. (laughs) Like, you know? And I realized when I decided to get clean and sober from that terrible stuff I was doing, that no one... I don't know. I don't want to say no one cared enough because that's not the case. But I was never open to hearing anyone. But at when you're 23, living and working in New York City in the industry that I work in and the beauty at the place you wanted to work at the place I wanted to work. Yeah, you know, I was kind of like flying, and I was hot, and I was young, and it was kind of like I lived in Bushwick. There was cool shit going on four or five years ago, like. There was nothing, there was no reason for me to reel it in. Right. 
Right. Until I decided like, okay, this shit makes me feel like a crazy person. Let me stop. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, as soon as I stopped partying and doing drugs every day at work, as soon as I stopped that, it was like the clouds opened up and I realized that the reason why I was self-medicating was because I was working for a corporation. Mm -hmm. I was working for a company where I was never really going to matter. It's a, I worked for a big company, like, and I wanted to contribute. I wanted to work somewhere that I felt like I was really going to help to mold and shape what we were doing. And at that time, my creative partner, Wes, he was like, oh, well, bye, girl. I'm quitting Bumble. We were assistants together. Mm -hmm. He was like, I'm leaving to go work for Michael Gordon. And that was in like June of that summer and I was not done partying. And I knew that like I had to be done partying before I met Michael Gordon. I was like, oh he was, yeah? He started Bumble and Bumble. Yeah, he's the yeah. founder of Bumble. He sold it in 2006. And he has, so he has nothing to do with that. He's them. had nothing right. to do with it since then. Right. And I started 07. So when I started, it was still like kind of how he had set it up but by the time I left it had been completely transformed into like an Estee Lauder corporation mm -hmm. which is great for the people who that works for but I realized it didn't work for me so you get through the summer and like the, you kind of you you sober up yeah I like kind of as I like to say get my shit together <laughs> I just needed to stop doing mm -hmm. drugs so I did that and then the second that I was like clean and sober um, I realized I needed to stop working at Bumble and, um, I called Wes. I was like, Hey, do you think you could get me a job? Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, go to this interview. And I went, so then I went to work at Cutler and my life changed forever because the week that I started working there, my mother was diagnosed with brain cancer and... I went to work at this new salon and I had no clients. I probably had five clients and I had just quit my very stable kind of job working at Bumble where I made the same amount of money every week. And, you know, I had just taken on this one bedroom lease and I just like had this guy move in with me, this painter, <laughs> you know, like I had a lot happen all at once. And um, then my mom got sick. And she was treated in the city at Columbia. So because I wasn't a busy colorist when I first went to work at this other salon, mm -hmm. the owner was like, feel free to block out whatever time you want in your schedule so you can go hang with your mom uptown. And so I was super grateful because I wasn't that busy and I could go hang out with her. And I'm really glad I did because I had been... I guess January 1st, 2012, my mom passed away and I had been at Cutler for like two months and I had met Michael Gordon, who is my boss now at Hair Story. I had met him in November and, you know, that day, January 1st, 2012, when I lost my mom, everything changed for me. 
everything changed. I was like 24, had this fucking boyfriend who didn't have a job who lived with me. Yeah. I was like, love you, but you got to go. You got to go. Yeah. I don't know who I am, so I need you to get away from me so I can try to start to figure it out. And that was, you know, I was super close to my mom, and she was my biggest supporter up to that point. I'll never forget the day that I called her to tell her I was going to quit working at Bumble. And... She yelled at me and she was like, but what about your health insurance? And then I was like, I don't care. I can't do it anymore. Yeah. And she was like, okay, you have another job lined up? Like, just do it. You know, she was very kind of like, okay, like you'll make it work and you're amazing. So, and she was the person who I learned how to do hair painting on. She let me fuck up her hair so many times and she just always loved it. Yeah. So um, when she passed away, I kind of was just, you know, at this point where I had no idea who I was. And I realized in that moment that I was the sole person responsible for my life. And what'd you do with that information? So I... You know, I was crying to one of my friends on the phone one night. And I was, that day I had, like, kicked my ex-boyfriend out. And he, like, took all his paintings. And I got home that night from work. And my apartment was, like, really sterile because he had taken all of his paintings and, like, everything. And I just remember saying to my friend, like, what the fuck am I going to do? Like, how am I even going to pay $1,150 in rent by myself. Like, I had no idea how I was going to do that. And my friend was like, you're going to be stronger than ever. And I wrote the words stronger than ever all over everything in my apartment. Yeah. <clears throat> all over the mirrors, my MacBook, all over the walls. Like, I just wrote it anywhere. It's still on my bathroom mirror. Mm -hmm. You can see it. I threw myself into my work and um, I got very spiritual around that time. Mm -hmm. Instead of like reverting and going back down like a drunken, drugged out path, I got really spiritual. And at the same time, I had taken in these two dogs where if you go on my Instagram, you'll see plenty of pictures of them. Mm -hmm. um, they were my mom's dogs, and I grew up with them. Like, I lived at home with them. I took them when she passed away. So I took them into my apartment, kicked out my ex-boyfriend, decided to throw myself into my work, and that's when I started doing really creative color. Really creative color. Where do you, And, like, how did it feel to make that change? Uh, well, I didn't have a choice. Yeah. Yeah, my landlord was so crazy. <laughs> God bless him, Andrew. He was so crazy that if I didn't have the rent, he would bang on my door on the first of the month. So I had no choice but to work. Right, but no, but I mean like to make that change to just to do more stuff where you said create, like doing creative uh, coloring, you well, know? Well, that's what I always wanted to do. And when I was at Bumble, I wasn't in a position to do that. Because, A, I was still an assistant, 
And if you're an assistant, you have to like wait in line to get that type of spotlight work. Mm -hmm. Like you're not allowed to do that. You need to focus on whatever you need to focus on to like get on the floor. So I want, I always wanted to do creative work and I was already doing it. I was, I got my first write up in nylon magazine, um, that summer of 2011. I was, I was working there then. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. I was named like the, my little pony hair go to Kat Marnell wrote the interview. Oh really? Oh my God. Yeah. And so when I went to go work at Cutler, I was already just doing a lot of that. I was doing a lot of creative color because no one ever really taught me how to do a proper bleach job on a client mm-hmm. where you like bleach it out to white so that you can put color on it. I mean, you learn how to do it there now and like it's like a standard thing that you learn, but I didn't really learn it there. I didn't experience it there. So when I went to Cutler at first, it was a trending thing. So I had to force myself to like do a shit ton of that specific thing so that I could learn how to do it and be really good at it. What are the things that inspire you to keep going? You know, I've felt a little stagnant recently because I have, you know, all these things I want to do with my life. And I'm like, like what? I'm like, why aren't they happening right now? <laughs> I want to write a book about color. I want to do a project that I want to do this wig project where I basically like photograph and interview people and lots of different color wigs to see how they affect people and respond to these colors. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to do this stuff and things at my startup where I work are a little crazy. There, It's amazing to work for a startup, but it's also like being a pioneer is hard. Yeah. When you're doing something that no one else before you has done, it's fucking hard. It's hard. But you also but, get to make the path. Right. But so, you know, yesterday I did my, like, my favorite muse's hair. This girl, Gina, that I work with. She actually, a couple years ago, I accidentally made her hair red, white, and blue. Mm-hmm. And, like, that was a turning point in my creative path, like, almost four years ago. So because I have this, like, history with her, I always do something pretty cool with her. And then also a couple months ago, I had this, like, beta fish hair blow up on the internet. What's that? It was this hair color that I did inspired by a beta fish. Uh-huh. So, like, an orange, like, a tangerine It was actually blue oh. and yellow. Okay. But so... All of these websites picked it up and mm-hmm. they were like, oh, it's the next trend. Like it was kind of like people made like YouTube videos that were just like zooming in and out of this oh, picture. Really? <laughs> yeah. It was pretty cool. That's cool. Like how does that feel when people respond to your work like that? Um, that was really cool. But so yesterday I did her hair and I was just, I was so happy You know, that's where, that's what gets me inspired is actually doing the work. Mm -hmm. I'm very inspired by nature, first and foremost. Um, And it's important for me to feel balanced 
to kind of like spend time outside and in the woods or in the mountains or in the ocean. Like it's very important for me. Um, I almost find a similar high when I'm in nature as to when I do a really good hair color. Like they're very kind of compatible. The release or the calm that comes with those two things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I guess you asked me like, how do I stay inspired? Like I, I work, I do stuff that I've never done before. I do things that make me uncomfortable. I make mistakes. That's always the best. That's the best place is the mistakes mm. because then you learn how far you can push something. That's, I feel like that is so important with anything is to learn how far you can push it because you never know how far until you try until you cross the line. Mm -hmm. Once you cross the line, you never have to cross it again. But I think it's very important to get very close. Um, and in order to know how close that is, you have to actually cross it. Um, you know, I've always kind of been a risk taker because when you take risks, you can play it safe afterwards. Or like once you know... Once you know where where that line is, where, how far you can go. Yeah. yeah. Then that becomes your safe place. Right. Is that risk... Um, that risk becomes your safe... Like your safety net. Mm -hmm. And I think because I look at it like that... I think a lot of people would say that my work is actually very risky or very like crazy, but I've learned just how far I can push it. And so because of that, I can push it. Right. I don't have to push it all the time and I don't, but if I want to, I can. And I'm not saying I won't, like, fuck up tomorrow, you know. But, yeah, I'm inspired by being risky. But at the same time, like, personally, I'm very shy and I'm very safe. So it's weird. Isn't that, like, kind of the idea is, like, to be able to, like, go to those places in your work? Right. You know? Yeah, I guess so. To be able to play in the, you know, in that zone? Mm -hmm. I guess so. And I think that people often assume that I'm not, that I'm like a little bit more loud and flamboyant than I am because of the work that I, that I produce. Mm -hmm. Even I'm actually very conservative yeah. and like a little old fashioned. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what's next? What's next? Um, well, I, I don't know. That's okay. No. That's okay. Yeah, no, I think, um, yeah, I have this project I want to do, this wig project. Like I said, I was feeling a little stagnant, and I think that it's in that moment, it's important for me to actually go really internal and to examine my every day. Mm -hmm. So 
October, November, December are very busy months for me as far as like my private clients are concerned. So I think it's about kind of like tightening that tightening that up and making sure that everyone's really happy with what I'm doing. And then I'm trying to make some plans to go to Columbia, um, to the rainforest, to apprentice with these artists there that take these natural fibers out of plant stalks and dye them with natural dyes. I think the next thing is kind of like... I mean, working at the company that I work for now, Hair Story, I, A, I stand behind the idea of it, the concept of it, and it allows me to be the artist I want to be and have hobbies and do other things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's kind of like, for me, it's balancing the work I'm doing there and making sure that it's consistent and we're on a slow incline always, always with the work and the amount of people that we're seeing and just everything should be like always slowly inclining. And so it's that, and it's like, where can I go learn how to do cool, more more color stuff, yeah, more dye stuff. Cool. Yeah. I think that's a good place to end it. All right, cool. Roxy, darling. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you.